bringing you news from around the world from Temple University. Welcome to Rational Radio. Hello and welcome to Rational Radio. That was an old intro. I guess I I guess I picked the wrong one. <laughs> there were two options and I chose wrong. Um, my name is Amaranth and with me is Emily and you're listening to Rational Radio on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. And Emily, you were on air on Monday. I but was. This is my first time since May, so can I get Oh, welcome back. Welcome back, Hello, Amber. hello. <laughs> uh, how was your summer? It was good. Um, I stayed on campus all summer working, you know, um, I'm an RA. You're not. Oh, yeah. On so the side. Were- so I've been just like working in my building with residents that stay over the summer, but literally Temple has all I've, Temple's all I've known this summer. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a jump right back in and the semester's kind of just like, I feel like I didn't get a break. Yeah. You know what? It's okay. Yeah. Just keep on trucking. You know, just hold out till Thanksgiving. <laughs> Honestly, I can't wait to go home for Thanksgiving. I yeah. can't wait. How many How many people d- were you, like, in charge of staying here over the summer? Like, like, how many people stay here? It was, like, 150. Just in, you? in my building. Just you? In my were building. Were the only no, person had, in charge? There were two slash three of us. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, you had help, but that's still, that's more I than call. I expected. I was on I call a lot this summer. Yeah. But, you know. That's more than I expected. I didn't think so many people stayed. Yeah. I did not stay. Yeah. But I went free home. housing. <laughs> that's true. That's free true. housing. I went home and I worked um, more than one job, which was <laughs> epic. Uh, I worked at Subway. I was a sandwich artist. I have some, like, really weird Subway stories now, like the time <laughs> that I paid for a senile old man's food and then he took my change. Yeah. Oh my God. Subway's Subway's whack, but I mean that's just my opinion. It's not held by any other. It's not held by Subway or any of its associates. No, Amherst does not speak I for Subway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't work there anymore, so I don't have to be as like you know uh, closed off. I also work in a coffee shop. You might already know that though. Um, I work there most of the every time that I go home. I work in the coffee shop with my with my best friend. Securing the bag. Uh, securing the bag, except that somehow I'm still poor. Yeah, we had a whole discussion we on how she has four dollars in her bank account. How I have four dollars in my bank account, even though I worked so much this summer, it's yeah. really not fair. But you know what? It's fine. Um. <laughs> uh. Okay. Do we want to get into the news? Do we want to get into it? Shall what we? else isn't fair? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I feel like news is like our thing here. So we might yeah, as well get into it's it. It's a little bit yeah. of what we do. All right. What do you what do you want to start with, Emily? Um let's go to Ah, uh, yes. So if you remember from last semester, Amaranth and I always got stuck with the very spicy topics. Oh yeah. yeah. All the time. It's because we have the fr- okay, we still have the Friday rational show. So you'll be able to hear us again mm-hmm. on Friday. Everything happens on a Friday. Everything happens. Yeah. And so we would, oh, every Friday, we would be like scrambling. First of all, scrambling to write the crackdown, which, uh, 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 plug in the crackdown. <laughs> um, <laughs> that comes out on, oh, no, we're starting filming on Monday. So we're aiming to have it out by when? Thursday. By Thursday. Thursday. Thursday, I think. Yeah. Yes. Whatever. We'll, we'll tell you about it 
Um, we'll tell you about it another day. We'll still plug it. Not not this we'll Thursday, not tomorrow, later. next yeah, week. But sure. yeah, we'll plug it next week. Okay. Um, so not only would we be scrambling to write stuff for the crackdown, which I am like, which I do the scripts for, but we would also be struggling to get things in for our rundown, which usually it was just you and me on Fridays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just us because the like, occasional Tony. Like every once in a while, Rest Tony in peace, would Tony. pop. Yeah. No, right. Tony's no, alive. Tony's, Tony's not dead. alive. He's just R. not R. here anymore. Tony, but um, he's he's moved on to bigger and better things yeah. than college radio <laughs> but um so he would pop in every once in a while but even then he was well especially then he was a very busy man so mm-hmm. it would just be the two of us most of the time and we would get like lit like some of like the spiciest topics we would be yeah. going hard yeah yeah but you know what we're gonna jump into another one heck yeah it wouldn't be emily and amber without without that's a controversial topic. I don't know. <laughs> it's not really controversial it's just it's annoying to have to continuously talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So take it away, Emily. So this is coming from BuzzFeed News. So Ooh, nice one. Yes. Right at the front. Yes. We BuzzFeed always forget News. to tell our sources. <laughs> <laughs> House Democrats push major gun control bills forward following the mass shootings in El Paso and Dayton. So um, we weren't on air over the summer, unfortunately. So there were a lot of news stories that we didn't get to cover, one of which being, unfortunately, the two mass shootings that happened within 24 hours of each other in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio. All summer I was like we, we can't I can't This would talk. be such a good I thing think, to talk about I on the air. I, I yeah. can't talk about this on the air. Yeah. I have to wait until like by the t- and then I was like oh by the time I get on the air we'll have moved on. But something uh, some, another controversial we, thing would have happened. Apparently not. We did not move on. So yeah. that's good. Unfortunate. It's not, like it's not good. But it's it's, it's yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> So, the House Judiciary Committee passed bills Tuesday night to expand background checks for gun sales and prevent those who are in danger to themselves and others from buying guns. Again, this comes after two mass shootings in El Paso, Texas, and in Ohio that occurred over the summer and less than 24 hours apart from each other. The bills included legislation to, one, regulate magazine purchases, two, restrict criminals convicted of hate crimes from purchasing firearms, and three, adopt national red flag laws allowing local authorities to remove firearms from individuals believed to be a danger with a court petition. This bill is the first is one of the first calls to action from House Democrats since the month-long recess over the summer, during which 31 people were killed in Dayton and El Paso. Judiciary Committee members had planned to return a week earlier to address gun control, but Hurricane Dorian impacted the travel for five of the committee's 41 members. Six months ago, the House voted to expand background checks for gun sales, with only a handful of Republicans supporting the cause. President Trump had promised to veto it if it had passed, though it never did. Today, several Republican, Republican lawmakers oppose the bill, citing, of course, a violation of a gun owner's Second Amendment rights and due process. Come up with a new argument. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> some acts they were trying to pass included the Keep American Safe Act, which prohibits the sale, transfer, manufacturing of large-capacity magazines, and the Disarm Hate Act, which prohibits a person convicted of a hate crime from purchasing a gun. Mitch McConnell, Senate Majority Leader, has repeatedly said in recent weeks that he will he will not allow a vote on any gun bill until President Trump has indicated what kind of legislation he is willing to sign. Trump has not stuck to a plan. Womp, womp, womp. Mm. So, I read this. Of course, the first thing that came to mind was, why does this continuously keep happening? How many more people have to die before someone decides, okay, let's pass background check, let's pass some form of gun control that'll actually stick that'll actually do something because we had this two mass shootings Mm -hmm. there was one in west texas with the um which i will mention a little later 
uh, this guy in West Texas who shot and killed, who shot, he harmed 20 people, killed seven people, I believe. Mm-hmm. You have Parkland from last, like, it continuously happens, and it's like, right. no one wants to do anything about and it. And honestly, there's so many that we couldn't even, like, name them all or yeah. talk about them all exactly. in one talk segment, because we only got 15 minutes, y'all. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay, so, like, the Second Amendment, it's a valid argument on certain grounds, like, okay, Yes, it is in the Constitution that we have the right to bear arms. However, we're not asking for gun control is not the same as asking people to just not have any guns or any ability to protect themselves. It's not it's not it's not exactly equivalent that argument at this point, because like gun control isn't asking isn't like, oh, if you have a gun too bad. It's like asking that people who want access to guns have at least some sort of a background check at least some sort of like a uh, system in place to make sure that the wrong people aren't getting their hands on guns i mean it's and it's debatable what kind of people are the wrong people mm-hmm. it's a um it's an argument that that's being held and can continue to and will continue to be held for a long time but in general i think that asking for some reform to these policies it seems like it's not so much to ask when the value of human like compared to the value of human lives yeah and it's like you every time something like this happens and someone brings up the idea of gun control it's always some joe schmo from the middle of kentucky (laughs) that's always like well i have guns and i've never killed anyone and it's like okay but we're not pencil we're not gonna get into that one but they're always like they're always like well i've never killed anyone and it's like okay but we aren't talking about you we're talking about the fact that you that there are other people who can get guns and potentially kill other people and the like the thing that constant that constantly comes to mind is the fact that in 2012 two dozen elementary school elementary school children were killed Mm -hmm. by a mass shooting and no one did anything then Elementary school kids, kids who were six, seven, eight years old, die because of this. Right. And they never did anything then. So it's so frustrating that they saw these kids lose their lives. They saw kids in Parkland lose their lives, in Columbine, all these other shootings, and no one did anything then. Why aren't they? Why? What? What is stopping them from? Like, how many more people have to die at the hands of gun violence in the United States for someone to do something about it? I mean, I think a large part of it is also this, like, I don't know, sort of, like, cognitive dissonance of, like, getting past, like, the the identity that we have as the American people. Mm-hmm. It's an identity that a lot of people hold where, like, we are independent, you know, like, mm-hmm. we fought off, like, we fought Britain off on our own. We have the right to, like, fight against the things that um, we have the right to defend ourselves about anything that would, like, and feel controlled. take control of our lives yeah. or try and, like, um, take away our rights. And so, like, there's this huge identity that I think that people have to get past in order to feel comfortable um, evaluating how that identity can hurt um can hurt people Mm -hmm. and like it's it's really frustrating to talk about it but like it's I still like I understand where the like where the tension comes from Mm -hmm. because it's something that we've all we've all sort of grown up with like the first of all we've always been told like the constitution everything in the constitution that's like what gives you your rights as a human being Mm -hmm. like the constitution is what makes us better than them because we have those rights and we have the right to protect ourselves and so like to move past that 
it's a difficult thing to move past and it's a difficult conversation to have with people who don't want to lose that independence or who don't want to lose that aspect of their identity. For sure. And but, but it also comes to the point where sometimes we just need to make sacrifices to like it's not that we're necessarily taking away your guns. We're just making it harder for some people to have access to them. Like I'm not going to go to Joe Schmo in Kentucky and be like, OK, give me your guns. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's just, people just don't want to like you were saying don't want to come to terms with that but it has to be it has to get to the we has to people have to come to terms with the fact that we'll have re, we have to make sacrifices for mm-hmm. american safety and kind of it's i don't know why i thought of this on this day but it also is the 18th anniversary of 9-11 and one of the things that reminds me of was the patriot act how mm-hmm. people were willing to sacrifice their privacy right. we've for been, american safety and i think that that's also an issue is like I think that for the, with the Patriot Act and with um, Patriot Act itself was problematic, yeah, right? incredibly okay. problematic. Yeah, um, with the Patriot Act and with um, the attacks on nine eleven, which we probably maybe we should have mentioned at the beginning of the show that yeah. it was the anniversary. But okay, um, we do acknowledge that it is the anniversary of the uh, September eleventh attacks of two thousand and one, um, and I think that with that there was an enemy to point at. Mm-hmm. And it was an enemy that made sense to people. You know, it was yeah. it was people from another country who wanted to hurt us. And here, it's not. It's I think it's more difficult, especially for the people who are advocating for less for or fighting for, against advocates for gun control, because that's part. Like that's the people who are causing these shootings. Like they are part of that group. They're, yeah, and they're so it's American like it's period, difficult yeah. to point. It's like there's no enemy. There's mm-hmm. no like direct enemy where it's like, oh, well, this person is trying to kill, is trying to take away American lives. And if we do this, then we can fight against them mm-hmm. because it's there's no one to point at because it's like people who are in our midst and people who are, you know, who identify with with us or have a similar identity to us. And so it's like there's no person to point at and be like that like i'm gonna get rid of your ability to hurt me because Mm -hmm. it's it's because at the same time that you're getting rid of their ability you're getting rid of your own ability because Mm -hmm. it's not like it's not an outside group it's people within the the united states yeah i just wish that someone i just wish that it didn't come to the same conclusion every single time where a bill is passed and it gets shut down and then it just continuously happens right and yeah, and it's a it's a very frustrating system to be going through. Mm-hmm. But I think that in the like it, I feel like it is. I feel like we're working towards something. Very at least. slow progress. It's, it's very slow progress, which is very frustrating for those of us yeah. who have been calling for it since you know yeah. 2012. Yeah. It's a slow prog. It's a slow process, but it's a process. It is moving forward. It seems like you know yeah. every time there's a sh- mass shooting like this, then more laws are introduced, and mm-hmm. it's. I think eventually it'll get to the point where you can't ignore it anymore. Yeah, yeah, and, and we're reaching that point. Yeah, which is why it's important for you to go vote, which we will discuss later on yes, the show. Yes, we are going to be discussing um, the primaries and stuff later on the show. Which, by the way, our talk breaks over, so we're gonna move into. Um, so we're gonna come back in a little bit, and we're gonna talk more about politics. So we will see you then. We are back on Rational Radio. My name is Amaranth. This is Emily, and this is WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. So we were just talking about 
gun control and now we're going to move on because it's it's a heavy topic and we said a lot about it but yeah. it's time to move it's time to move forward and you know what we have so many shows we're going to talk about it again guys so if you're really missing out on the uh, gun control conversation yeah. just tune back in on friday or next wednesday yeah. or next the friday listen after to that. any of our listen, old shows because it's mentioned at least once every two weeks yeah honestly for sure okay yeah. so we're going to move on so this broke this broke yesterday morning um john bolton is no longer part of uh president trump's staff so this is coming from the new york times see that i plugged it okay (laughs) um john bolton was the national security advisor until yesterday when he left the white house over a fundamental disagreement about foreign policy so there's some disagreement also about whether or not he resigned or was fired so according to President Trump, Spicy. Bolton was fired, and Bolton says that he resigned. Spicy. So the two have been butting heads since Bolton became Trump's third national security advisor. He's been that in that position for 17 months, and this time they were arguing because Bolton tried to stop the president from signing a peace agreement at Camp David with leaders of the Taliban in order to pull troops out of Afghanistan. So while the peace agreement ended up being scrapped, President Trump and his advisors were frustrated with how the matter played out, and they blamed Bolton for the way media was covering the dispute. According to a tweet from the president, Trump asked Bolton to resign on Monday night and received the resignation yesterday morning. And according to Bolton, he offered to resign on Monday night without the president asking and turned his his resignation the next morning after sleeping on it. President Trump is now looking for a replacement and said that he expects to find one next week. Right now, candidates include Charles Kupperman, who is Bolton's current deputy and who will be taking over in the interim, as well as Fred Flights, who is Bolton's former chief of staff, among a few others, but it's a fairly short list, and uh, we'll see next week. We'll probably report on it then. Um, so Bolton and Trump have been disagreeing on things for a long time, but this was this was pretty sudden. It was like... You know, they were disagreeing about, like, something or whatever. And then all of a sudden, Bolton was out. He was not in the White House, which is kind of typical. Yeah, I was going to say, it's nothing. It, it would be the first time we've heard this happen yeah, in the White House. It's, a, it's a little bit typical of um, President Trump's current administration. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought what's really interesting as to me is that um, Bolton has long been criticized for being a war hawk from Democrats and Republicans alike. But... This time, it's like Democrats are now in favor of Bolton, and I think it's almost like because Trump, like, got rid of him. Mm-hmm. So, like, in, but apparently, like, apparently in Trump's White House, he was sort of like a stabilizing force instead of, like, you know, like a crazy war hawk, because Trump has this, he has this thing where, like, he kind of, like, wants to be, like, a showman or, like, a hero. So he's trying to, like, create iconic moments of diplomacy. Like, when he walked into North Korea and he was, like, mm, yeah. he was, like, look at me. Like, I am, le- I'm causing world peace. I'm going to get all of these people to stop using their, um, to stop using nuclear warheads. Like, we're going to come to an agreement and I'm going to cause world peace. And so far, none of that has really worked out. But Bolton has kind of been behind the scenes sort of, like, pulling Trump out of these situations, like the one where um, he was going to sign an agreement with the Taliban. Um, like, uh, so I was reading a couple of things um, and watching a couple of things about this this morning. Um, Tucker, Carl- 
Tuggle Carlson, who has a oh no, yeah, the Tuggle Carlson <laughs> oh, <no>. show <laughs> called John Bolton fundamentally a man of the left because he disagreed with Trump's foreign policy, which I thought was really interesting. Like, is it is it like fully leftist to just disagree with to disagree with Trump's attempts at peace agreements? You know, like, isn't that a goal of kind of everyone to have peace agreements? And why has it suddenly become like polarized of whether or not we want troops to come home? Like now it's like, yeah, yeah. I, like the thing with well, we also have to look at who the source is. Right. Tucker Carlson right. from Fox News. No, no, absolutely. Like yeah. that's what I'm like. So, I'm talking about this. Like what? Oh, is yeah, wrong? yeah. Like this is an opinion that somebody has, and yeah. like it's an interesting opinion to me mm. because it never like I Bolton is a Republican. It never occurred to me to call him a fund, fundamentally yeah. a man of the left. I think the thing was like specifically looking at the media source and who we're cited, who we're talking about. Fox News. (laughs) Sorry. Fun little creaky. Yeah. I had to adjust the mic. Um, Fox (laughs) News likes to say that anyone that doesn't agree with Donald Trump is a a leftist because Donald Trump to them is seen as like the model of the right, the model of the Republican Party. Right. Which is very concerning. And it's become, I mean, that rhetoric is changing now, especially as, you know, more things come to light. Things aren't going exactly as they were going according to plan. Like there was a plan in 2016 and it's, it's kind of went downhill a little bit and so that rhetoric is changing i was just looking at um at a thing on cnn which i mean it's coming from cnn so the majority of their um viewers are uh democrats but they the approval rate in a poll that they did for donald trump went down to 36 percent. 36 percent. but i mean it was from a leftist media so you know, okay okay most of the most of the viewers are from the left anyway yeah. but and okay anyway sorry continue <laughs> no, no no it's okay no no i lost my train of thought <laughs> um yeah, I just, I just like, <laughs> w- like back to your question, like, I just can't get over the fact that like, I don't know, like Tucker Carlson <laughs> to me has always been like a meme. Okay. So like anything he says, I can't take like personally. I, I, mean, I can't I just take thought seriously. it was an interesting commentary. Yeah. Like to say that because he disagrees with. Um, Trump's politics mm-hmm. specifically that makes him a man of the left and it's 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 polarizing to say that you know like Donald Trump is the the representation of the right side and anyone who opposes him is a representation of the left side and like I feel like that's not it's not exact it shouldn't be a, an especially polarized issue not I all Republicans think. should need to have the same point of view not all Democrats right. need to have the same point of view it's and just it's general policies that they agree on yeah and uh, but I think that in addition to like people like Tucker Carlson, um, some Democrats have sort of been like switching up their way of talking about now that Bolton's been ousted, they've switched their way of talking about him as well, where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, like Bolton was a logical and stabilizing force in Donald Trump's White House, where it's like, I mean, you say that now, but maybe like several months ago, him. you were disagreeing yeah. with him and calling and, you know, calling him a war hawk. It's very it's much like, so on how it benefits their agenda and how it fits into their viewpoints right and it's like that on both sides it's not just it's 100 percent like that on both sides yeah so their major disagreement this time was about um donald trump signing a peace agreement with the taliban and one of the more obvious issues with that is the proximity to the anniversary of Mm 9-11 to sign an agreement with a terrorist group um like a day before the anniversary of a yeah. terrorist attack but i mean what other arguments 
could like were there to scrap that agreement because like I was trying to look I was trying to look for them and it seemed like that was the main thing that media was mm-hmm. focusing on is like like it was he's trying to make an agreement with a terrorist group like right at, like on the anniversary of a terrorist attack but it's like at the same time shouldn't that be our goal to make peace agreements and maybe like the way that he's going about it is a little bit um, it can be a sort of chaotic and showy but he's always been like that but that's yeah. like that's mm-hmm. kind of who he is you know mm-hmm. he had a reality tv show that's it's he fired part, people for a living for right years. it's part of like it's part of what he does <laughs> yeah and you know like it seems like that agreement doesn't sound like an awful idea to me but i mean at the same time like i don't know all of the terms that we're going to be yeah in. that's um, why it's hard for me to like piece together something to say when it's one of those issues that i'm not Right, we're not privy to all of like the secret information in these, yeah. in these yeah. potential agreements that never end up happening. Yeah. But it's interesting that it's become a politicized issue. Or, Well, no, it's not interesting that it's become politicized because it should be For sure. politics. But it's, Foreign policy, that yeah. it's, <laughs> but it's interesting that it's become so polarized of like this specific issue of bringing troops home from Afghanistan. It's like suddenly this has become like a Democratic versus Republican issue, which many things do tend to do these days or in the past as well. And it's um, it's interesting to me because I feel like in general, like without knowing all of the details, I'm inclined to think that it's a good idea to pull troops from Afghanistan I and mean, to sign an agreement to do that. I mean, from a personal standpoint, the whole war in the middle east has always been a very i've always seen it as a very negative thing mm-hmm. just because the way it was handled why it was done in the first place right exactly horrible idea personally but <laughs> um like it's been 18 years well i iraq was oh i took a whole class on this and i don't remember pretty sure afghanistan started <laughs> ballad, in 03 ballad. i think afghanistan was 03 um i don't remember probably, okay anyway probably. it's been it's been You're more than a decade right. almost two decades mm-hmm. since this thing happened and we still have troops over there um Part of me is just like, is he doing this because he genuinely wants to do this? Which is hard to say because it's not like he's ever done right. something that he genuinely wanted to do, or whether it's just to, like you said, like showboaty. Right? Is this a play at publicity? With I mean, with the elections coming up, like is he yeah. attempt? Is he searching for more approval ratings? Because, which we're gonna like, get into later. Which we're gonna talk yeah. about more. Um, we're gonna be talking about the primaries in our next talk break. Yeah. But like, is this like a play towards like the American people? Because most, I would say, it's generally an agreed upon thing that like troops should not still be fighting a war after over a decade in another country that we weren't necessarily involved in beforehand. The war that so, like has, it's a yeah. it's a generally agreed upon stance and so like is this a play towards that stance or does he actually like is he actually wanting to get rid like to create a more peaceful world and you know it's a big thing if he will not necessarily because he will the way his staff has been operating since he entered the white house has been very wishy-washy but it goes to show that if someone was willing to resign over this or if he fires someone no one knows what happened mm-hmm. um it must have been something that I guess he was. I hate. I guess it must have been something that his, like, I guess he generally wanted to do. Right. But at the same time, it's also like. Like, he's a very. Like, if you look at his old tweets, and I saw someone retweeting his old tweets about 9 11, <laughs> he's very much so on, like, the whole, like, war in Iraq, and he was very pro that or something like mm-hmm. that. But I don't know. I just. It's so hard. <laughs> the thing with this administration, it's so hard to say something because you turn around and they completely flip the script. Right. It, and that's what it feels like to me is like mm-hmm. this flip 
the script has been flipped, in my opinion. So, so many much, times. So many times Whiplash. at this point. <laughs> and, like, right now it feels flipped because it feels like, I don't, like, with this recent ousting, it's like suddenly Democrats are on John Bolton's side. And John Bolton is a, like, he's a Republican, mm-hmm. right? And he, je- Democrats have not generally been on his side. It's, yeah. it's not... You know, it hasn't been a very, an especially frequent thing, mm-hmm. and uh, Republicans are on Donald Trump's side, which is to sign this peace agreement, which like has been scrapped. And I think that it a large part of why it was scrapped is because of its proximity to um, to nine eleven, and because of its um, it sounds like it was kind of like a little bit of like a like a throw it together create like an epic thing like i'm gonna do this right now and yeah. it's gonna be awesome and so it's like it sounds like that's why this was scrapped yeah. and it sounds like that's why bolton was against it but in like in general like bolton's political views have generally lined up with donald trump's and yet there's like this thing that happens where like he puts the people that he wants in office yeah. and then all of a sudden they are butting heads over stuff if democrats I mean, with the new wave of Democrats that are currently in um, Congress, a lot of them are were are or were against the war in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at back at it now, not so much like when they when they were thinking about it in two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Um, if a lot of them were are against it now, I think maybe the reason why they're so against the idea of this peace treaty is not because they want to end the war it must have been like the terms of how they were going about it like right. whether it was involvement with the taliban whether it's like the negotiations of the peace treaty because it's not that anyone generally wants to stay in afghanistan it must have been something more to that that we don't know right about. and um, it's it's a touchy so it's difficult to negotiate these peace agreements anything and involving this like, subject is very touchy it doesn't it is yeah yeah incredibly. Uh, i mean we, t- <laughs> we talk about touchy subjects way too often yeah we're gonna get ourselves in trouble one day oh yeah this is gonna <laughs> come back and but only on Fridays (laughs) Fridays. Um, but it seems it seems like it's something that someone with more experience with negotiation than President Trump should be taken charge of and I don't know necessarily that that should be John Bolton because he's you know not there anymore someone has experience in foreign policy outside of the last two years of this presidency who was like involved not just like much of his presidency, but like but some of the uh, some of the options for his replacement have past experience. Exactly. Um, so like someone with past, someone with someone who's I guess had experience dealing with the whole war in the Middle East. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like some like not just a president who's come in after being a businessman that has not had a ton of experience with this. Right. Okay. We gotta move on. We gotta move to uh, that was the end of this talk break. We have to move on. We're gonna play music and stuff. Um, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about the primaries, like we've been telling you that we're gonna do all this time. So we will see you in a little bit. We are back on Rational Radio on WHIP, Philly's number one college, college radio, radio station. station. Oh yeah, chime in there. This is Emily <laughs> and I'm Amaranth and we were just talking about Trump's White House and now we're going to talk about... Keep talking prime. about Trump. <laughs> we're going to keep talking about politics because that's what Rational Radio is all about. If if you heard our uh, our old intro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We used our intro for from a few years ago by accident. But it's yeah. fine. It's yeah. fine. Everything's chill. Um, why don't you take us into this story? Emily? Awesome. Okay. So, as you know, election season 
It's, we're currently in election yeah, season. Yeah, we're in election season, and yeah. we're going to try and cover it more. For um, sure. We've been talking about, you know, we've got some things in the works for covering it. We've talked about doing a podcast. I we'll really s- want to do a yeah, podcast. Yeah, Emily really wants to do a podcast to cover yes. it, so we'll see where that goes, and if it does go anywhere, we'll start plugging it for, for sure. y'all. And, you know, we've got the crackdown coming up, and we're going to start covering stuff there. So mm-hmm. this is some this is something that you're going to hear a lot about from us. Yes. Uh, starting right now. Yep. So, like <laughs> I said, election season's coming up. It's what we're in. It's 14 months away. Mm-hmm. Election day is less than 14 months away. Um, which is a big thing. Um, speaking of that, so this is coming from NBC News. More GOP challengers line up against Trump, but more states are canceling their primaries. So, whack. No. Yes. <laughs> it, it, no, it is whack. <laughs> it is whack. Here's why. Four states, Nevada, South Carolina, Kansas, and Arizona, will not be allowing the three GOP primary challengers a chance to compete in primaries against Donald Trump. The state parties in these four states have decided to cut primaries and caucuses for the Republican Party, leaving voters without a say on who they want on the ticket. So essentially what this means is um, every time the incumbent runs for re-election, sometimes they have challengers, sometimes they don't. Um, Within their party, I mean. Usually states run primaries, usually depending on who the incumbent is and the strength of the incumbent. There's like statistics that support that the incumbent has a greater chance of winning than a new challenger does. I mean, usually I don't, I can't, off the top of my head, recall any instances of this happen, not happening. But anyway, um, usually the states are supposed to run primaries. Usually the incumbent wins. Um, but these states are passing laws to say that they basically will not be allowing primaries, will not be allowing caucuses. Is that legal? I guess so, since it's, they're doing it. It's not so much the state, it's the state's party. Okay. So, for example, it's not that they're, it's not like they're not going to run primaries in general. It's just that Republican, Republican primary. Be. Which is interesting. It depends on the state, because different states have different voting right, laws. which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, South Carolina GOP chairman Drew McKissick... Said, mm-hmm. said in a statement that, quote, with no legitimate primary challenger and President Trump's record of results, the decision was the decision was made to save South Carolina taxpayers over one point two million dollars and forego an unnecessary primary. So it's not that there won't be a primary in South Carolina, period, is that there won't be a Republican primary, because basically the only person that you could potentially vote for is Donald Trump. So there's no point in holding an election in their eyes if you could only vote for Donald Trump. They're basically saying that they don't think one, the three candidates have enough power to challenge Donald Trump, defeat Donald Trump. And it's okay. also just because I guess they're very for Donald Trump, but just think he, there's no point in running a primary. Okay. On one, like, okay. So I kind of get that. Like, you know, like when has almost never has um, one of the other, um, a challengers in the same party. Like I've, almost never have they, very rarely has, like, a challenger from a different party won. It's, I can't even recall a time where right. it was in the same party. So I kind of see, like, the whole, like, uh, well, it's not going to happen anyway, so, like, what's the point? Yeah. But at the same time, I think the point is probably democracy. And yeah, literally. kind of how it works. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you're basically denying <laughs> all these people, you're basically denying all the people registered to vote whether it's under republican or as independent because i've said different states have different voting laws you're basically denying these people a right to who they want to put on the ballot or who they believe should be on the ballot Mm -hmm. um 
And Republicans have pushed back on the idea that there was anything unusual about the state's decisions to scrap primaries, um, noting that both parties have done it in the past when incumbents were up for re-election. However, the important thing to note is in 2012, most states didn't run Democratic primaries that I know of because... There was no there was challenger. no challenger to President Obama. Right. So and there's no point in running one if there's only going to be one name on the ballot on the ballot to begin with. Period. When was it in the past that they did it? Do we know? Um, I'm not sure. I think maybe in the past they mean like there have been years where they just didn't run primaries, but it, they could be years where there was no challenger. Right. Because a lot I of people don't want to challenge the incumbent because the incumbent has the benefit of being the incumbent, <laughs> so people know who they are. They know they've been president before they've done it before regardless of who it is i mean of course there have been instances where a president runs for re-election and doesn't win but in terms of within their own party i can't think of an example yeah um, sorry i'm trying to like look it up but I no don't it's have okay time to go through i this just it's Wikipedia this page. has to be like this is so undemocratic like yep yes donald trump has a lot more power compared to the other three people who are running against him um, do I know the names off the top of their head? No, but that might be significant. Mm-hmm. But even then, you, people still deserve the chance to vote in the primary. And if they don't want Donald Trump to be the Republican on the ballot, they deserve a chance to say that. Even if the person they want on the ballot might not be on the ballot in November. Mm-hmm. They deserve a chance to say that. Um, what I want to know is, is this decision final? Like, should... Okay, so say these specific states, these four states, are cutting primaries. Mm-hmm. What if other states they find that a challenger does win against president trump will they then reinstate the primaries because they realize that there actually is a point in having them and there might actually be a different result than expected so or not is it like once they cut it then it's like uh done you can't do it so again it's important to note that so for these four states the parties control the primaries right so the republican the republican party controls the republican primary in states like new hampshire or iowa very big key swing states Mm -hmm. the states control the primaries not the parties so for them like i'll answer your question in a second but think of them like for one they said that they weren't going to cancel them because you know they're big key swing states Mm -hmm. um but two, for them, the state itself has to sit down and say, okay, we're going to cancel the Republican primary, which is a lot of work, which right. is controversial. It seems unlikely that the state would do it. It's easy for a party because everyone mm-hmm. in the party pretty much aligns the same way. For those that, now back to your question about whether or not, like, could this backfire? Are there consequences? Could this backfire? Um, that I don't know about because... Um, I don't know how like, parties work. And at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. I, I guess it's... I guess to them, these three, one, these three people running against Donald Trump are so insignificant to them that it's like, why even waste this money? One's like Bill Weld from Massachusetts. Don't know the other two. I, Wait, but I'm again, it up right now. yeah, again, that goes to show like the, the insignificance of their campaigns. And it's also like, we've seen the mobilization surrounding Donald Trump. We've seen how voters get when his name is when people say his name, especially people on the right. So I understand why they're doing it, but it's so undemocratic. Like it's like you have to allow people the right to vote. So this is an article. uh, Let me put myself at the mic actually. So this is an article from Marie Claire, but it's a month old. So it's from August 22nd. It was like the first one that came up when I looked it Mm -hmm. up though. So I don't know. Apparently, there's only one official. There was only one official Republican char- challenger uh, in August, who was William Weld, who's the governor. Yeah, Bill he was Weld. the governor of Massachusetts from '91 to '97. So, uh, who else? 
Um, let me pull up this article. It. Hold up. It's somewhere in yeah. here. Yeah. So we're going to try and find the answer to um, that question. How ins- how insignificant actually are these challengers? Are they really that insignificant? Um, I guess to them in the eyes, I guess, and I don't mean insignificant in the sense that like, oh, they're not going to win. I mean, insignificant right. in the sense that like, to them, Donald Trump has so much power to them. They see Donald Trump as such like a savior to the right that there's no point in one running a campaign against him or two giving them the opportunity to run a campaign against him okay but it, got it i found them you found okay. them former massachusetts massachusetts governor bill weld yes. former south carolina governor and congressman mark sanford yes and former representative and former representative joe walsh, joe walsh yes of illinois and yes i mean i'm reading a fox news article right here about them it says uh the they that calls them the three long shot challengers so yeah that's a general it's a general sentiment held by the party that it's a long shot and that but approval ratings are going down so yeah. and even within his own party there have been rifts within the GOP of you know like I mean the news about John Bolton recently that was yeah. just proof because they were from the same party and there was a rift yeah and so it's possible it is possible but maybe not that possible but according yeah. to these to the Republican Party in these four states, it's not possible. Well, two things. One, I know who John Walsh is because the man is on Twitter. <laughs> like many, like many politicians, the man is on Twitter. And like two or three years ago, he was saying some crazy, crazy, crazy stuff on the internet. Mm-hmm. And now, since I guess he sees Trump as such a bad guy of all the things he's done, because I mean, yeah, um, he's like, like controlled himself more. And people see him as like, oh, yes, a Republican calling out Donald Trump. Yes. But again, he doesn't have a big following. Right. Um, and I only know that because I see him on my timeline because people retweet him to roast him. Um, oh. Yeah. But two, it's uh, like like I was saying earlier, when you th- like it's at the point now, like like if you th- like back in the day, you thought of the Republican Party, you thought of like Ronald Reagan because mm-hmm. it was like he was like a cornerstone for the Republican Party. And not saying that it's a good thing or a bad thing, but now I guess with like we saw in 2016, like no one expected Donald Trump to win and he won because he had this magic mobilization around him, not bringing in interfering factors of other countries and people (laughs) interfering in our election. But um, he was like a mobilizing force and people know that that could happen again. Right. And I guess for I guess now American politics and american society is like it's not so much like oh what other republican can we rely on a lot of people are just tired of just republicans in general Mm -hmm. not necessarily the republican party but like what he aligns himself with which is something that happens yeah um we which explains this, like, like it explains up, why there's always such right, a, there's a always shift. This flip and yeah. we have this like you know this up and down in american politics where we're like yeah. really into one uh we're really into one yes party for like you know one party has yeah. power and then the next one has power yeah one like, party has power and the next one has yeah power. like when right you now, think of like when you thought of George Bush, people were so tired of George Bush and what the Republicans stood for mm-hmm. that they flipped completely and went to a progressive like Barack Obama. Right. 2016 was a little different because and there wasn't such a huge like, I'm so tired of this. It was kind of just like like a shock. Like, oh my God, this actually happened. Right. 2016 was so frustrating. 2016 was an enigma, an anomaly. It was really it interesting was though. In America. A fever like, dream. It was 
it was a fascinating moment in American politics, yeah. though, where all of a sudden, like, part of, like, our whole thing is we get to choose who we want to even be, like, the final choices for yeah. presidency. And yet somehow that, like, somehow that got like somehow something happened there and all of a sudden we were talking about the lesser of two evils about yeah. like the two candidates that we had chosen and everyone was saying oh lesser of two evils lesser of two evils which is so fascinating you had a chance to like, decide so you decide didn't have on those two yeah. evils in the exactly. first place mm -hmm. which that was like one of that 2016 was really odd specifically because yeah, of that and i sure. think i'm interested to see this next election which we're going to be covering as it comes as it moves on because like how do you how what's going to happen after that because that was a really fascinating point in american history and mm -hmm. now we're watching it progress into like the modern the ne the next election and I want to see how that impacts this new election and how yeah. that's going to change it. And people aren't even looking at, oh, my God, who could take who could who in the Republican Party can replace Donald Trump? People are looking specifically at, oh, which Democrats going to run against him? Right. Like, because you see names like um, so many Bernie Democrats. Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Joe Biden. <laughs> um, <laughs> you see all these names and it's like it's it's not like I can see unfortunately where these states are coming from because like oh people aren't even paying attention to who's running against donald trump and the republican right. party they're looking specifically at the democrats it's also like this whole practice is unconstitutional it should be considered unconstitutional because you're not even giving people the chance to vote because they should be able to vote you're just right. like just saying oh well donald trump's gonna win anyway so why waste it it's like it's okay. an interesting it's an interesting standpoint and it's something that seems to yeah. keep coming up where it's For like sure. well it's gonna what can you do it's gonna be an Moscow issue once to, we get closer um, to election day yeah, and we're going to be talking about yep. that continuously. Uh, so we have to leave now. But uh, remember, we're going to be back on Friday, same time, here, 4 to 5, talking about this probably again. Um, we can, You can find us on Spotify. You can listen to our podcast. We're going to edit this one tonight. And then it'll Check be out up the crackdown next tomorrow. week. Tomorrow. Check out the, yep. ca the crackdown next week. That's coming out on Thursday of next week. And we're switching it up on the crackdown. We'll tell you more about it then. I uh, mentioned it on Monday. Ooh, cool. We, a, little, a little sneak peek. It's not going to be one show. It's, it's two. two. We have two. One one on Thursday and one on Monday. Mondays, Monday. I believe. Yeah, I yes. think it's Mondays and Thursdays. Whatever. Don't quote us on it. We'll tell you more about it next week. But uh, starting yeah. on Thursday, check out The Crackdown, uh, WHIP Radio on YouTube. Uh, check out our podcast on Spotify. WHIPRadioTU.com. WHIP. Yeah. Temple Radio. Yeah. Just find us. Um listen to more shows from WHIP on iHeartRadio and we really have to go because we're a minute over time so we will see you on Friday see you later